Welcome back, everybody, to the Domcast, episode 9, and on this particular day, the NBA is looking fine. This is what we affectionately refer to as Clay Day. It is Clay Thompson's return. More or less, the health and safety protocols seem to be easing up, I guess, if you're looking at it relative to where it was when we were around Christmas. Yeah, guys are still getting clipped left and right, but I don't know, it just doesn't feel as bad. It doesn't feel like as many people are missing every time you turn on a game, in particular, like Cavs and uh, Warriors. Almost had a full Warrior squad. Draymond <laughs> might have been a little dramatic if you weren't watching. He had left calf tightness, so he checked into the game, or he started the game for tip-off and then took a foul to leave. He, he wanted to be there for Clay's return. Uh, hey, man, I guess that's the camaraderie. That's the brotherhood of that Warrior squad. Maybe a little bit dramatic, but whatever. You know what? I don't care, bro. Clay Thompson has not played basketball since we didn't even know what COVID was. Uh, we, we Pandemics were just something we write about in, in public health classes at that point. And so people are saying, oh, they're treating Clay like he's the first player to ever be injured. Man, fuck y'all, bro. We don't care. We do not care. Well, I enjoyed that. That's actually where we're going to start. Uh, I am pleased enough with the league these days that I am back to the happy, neutral and unhappy type thing. There's no tweets or 2K section today, so it's only going to go down to G League. But yeah, I did get enough topics to actually organize them. So we will start with Clay Thompson in a game that, oh, oh, nope, nope, we ain't starting yet. I always have to do the regular things that I normally forget, like this podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and if you're listening to it on Spotify, it's very easy for you to rate. Just press the little star button that's sitting right there, uh, and rate it five stars, or don't rate it all. Appreciate you. All right, now we are looking at this Warriors game. I turned it off in the third quarter because, uh, well, it, it is, it's almost 11 p.m. out here on the East Coast. Game was getting out of hand. I pretty much figured that they probably weren't going to play Clay again. And I know me, I, I would love to sit and watch all this Lakers and Grizzlies game, but I, I just know that if I make it to 12 o'clock, I'm not starting a podcast at 12 and, and finishing it. Uh, and then I'll wake up tomorrow and I'm going to have to rush it. So we're starting now. In the middle of the Lakers and Grizzlies game, I'll be keeping an eye on it. But the Warriors game. So what did we see from Clay's return? Well, this game is actually officially over now. Uh, he played 20 minutes. So like they said, he was going to get about five minutes every quarter. Scored 17 points. He went three of eight from three, seven of 18 from the field overall. And it was a game that you're not, he wasn't really playing Warriors basketball. This was all about get Klay Thompson his shots, get Klay Thompson acclimated to playing NBA basketball again. And that's, that's literally what it was. I had heard Stan Van Gundy say that Steve Kerr said they weren't going to try to force things and they didn't want him to force. And they didn't want his teammates trying to force him the ball, but that's exactly what happened, bro. He went one-on-one -on, -one on multiple possessions. Um, but long story short, bro, I'm, I'm just so, I'm full of joy, man. I am full of joy watching Clay play and specifically with this debut because there were two versions. Uh, that could have went down today. There's the one that we actually got. And then there's the one where he comes out and he he's a bit slow and he's not that confident and he's missing all these shots. He definitely did miss a lot of the shots that he was forcing at the beginning. But check out the, the specific things that he did that showed us, OK, this is probably going to be a successful comeback. Of course, we can't foresee the future and freak accidents. But just from a confidence standpoint, his very first bucket was not a three pointer. It was a it was kind of like a floater slash layup thing. And it, it was an attack. He, he attacked and went straight at Jared Allen. Beautiful. Because, of course, you think Clay Thompson, you think three-pointers. I thought they were going to like run a pin down or something or maybe have him flare to the corner and get his first three as his first shot and Chase Center was going to erupt. No, he attacked. 
and that's that's great that is beautiful because he's starting off the way he ended last time he was on a court if i'm remembering correctly he went to the rim and then he he landed terribly that's how he tore it that's probably the hardest part of coming back from this type of injury amongst all the physical barriers would be just being scared to jump and land again i'm nowhere near a professional hell I, I probably i'm not even i'm not even running point guard for your local like ymca team these days at this age but uh I, the last time i injured my ankles very very badly my ankle my left ankle very very badly in 2020 and i i ain't jumped the same since bro <laughs> i play my brother and pick up now i'm constantly trying not to land a certain way because I, I don't have time or money to be not walking for two plus months i don't get paid to do this shit so yeah great thing he started off with that but then he did it again later in the game and he got a switch with jared allen on him jared allen's obviously solid rim protector sometimes has has actually has some utility as a perimeter defender as well if he has to but clay saw that and he saw food he said he saw blood in the water uh went under the legs a couple of times attacked and yammed it he yammed it it was one of those type of dunks that you would have expected maybe in his first five games back. Like, okay, yeah, eventually he's going to get the confidence to go up there. He did that probably in the second, couldn't have been like second or third quarter. Couldn't have been much uh, later than that. So two very strong drives there. He came out in the third quarter and started doing the sidesteps and step backs. I think he scored like seven straight points or something like that. Uh, had a three on a fast break. And so very long story short, Clay Thompson, uh, his confidence is there. And that's really what I wanted to see. I, I pretty much expected he shot 38% from the field tonight. I pretty much expected that it wasn't going to be a typical efficient, super hot streak Clay night. Um, but I just wanted to see what you look like after two of the most devastating injuries that you could possibly have. And uh, you look at this as game one. He might still have some of his slumps just because of conditioning uh, and, and trying to get back into the flow of it. But by the time you get to the playoffs, he's able to stay on the court. Yeah, this is not fair <laughs> to put it lightly. This is not fair. You got Jordan Poole is going to come off the bench now. I think they said uh, the lineup that they sent out to the tip-off tonight was what they expect for the future uh so steph clay wiggins dre and kavon looney because no one knows if if james wiseman still exists at this point so uh, even when he does come back i doubt they'll just slide him to the starting spot when you can uh have kavon looney who's acclimated to the system and you know knows a, a lot more than than wiseman does about playing with this warriors unit and that's really what's important in their system so man this is I, i'm still just kind of at a at a loss because now we're looking at the 30 and 9 warriors getting a very confident clay back and he's gonna be able to do it looks like um i, I was looking on the defensive end I, that was that's really what i've always been more interested in because you, you heard me reference kevin durant's achilles and the thing i always say is well if kd can come back from that and we've seen some other guys come back from these devastating injuries it really seems like uh, sports medicine and training is at a place where you can damn near come back from anything and still be a great offensive player i was wondering about the defense though and lateral movement didn't get too many of those reps tonight uh you would see him off ball and you know just shading over to help and stuff but obviously they didn't want to put him on darius garland who has an all-star argument for his first game you know and he wasn't even playing enough minutes to really capture that assignment anyway so not a whole lot of on ball examples to go off of that is something that i'll be keeping an eye on because aside from making the warriors impossibly tough to guard as if they weren't already uh you got clay thompson the defender to possibly worry about as well um so yeah here in about five or six minutes i've pretty much said all i can say uh, about clay's return it's is it what i expected 
I don't know what I expected. Again, like I said, could have went either way. It literally could have just been terrible as it looked like it was shaping up to be when he was probably, what, one of seven at a point or something like that. Or it could, from a confidence standpoint, go great. That's the way it went. And we'll be tracking this. Hopefully he doesn't get, why would I put health and safety protocols out into the universe? I, I just hope that didn't happen because he doesn't need any type of breaks right now. He just needs a lot of reps. And then you get to the playoffs and every team not named the Phoenix Suns is uh, going to have a pretty tough time with this squad, basically. And even the Suns are going to have a tough time. So you look at I'm just looking down this roster and you didn't even get Jonathan Kaminga minutes tonight. He's somebody else that you throw into this lineup. Um, there, there's just so much going on for the Warriors. So if you couldn't tell, that starts off the happy section. We will get back to some Golden State Warrior talk a little bit later because as a matter of fact, I kind of want to, uh, you know what, mm, I got to make a decision quick here. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about the all-star stuff. It's actually what we're going to do. The all-star stuff is really the neutral section. So maybe we'll start off with neutral. Clay is like his own thing. Um, and then the all-star is actually really important. And I don't want to make y'all wait for that. So we'll, we'll actually start in the neutral section. And uh, I have it in the neutral because, like I said last week, I just gen in general, I don't care that much uh, about these all star conversations. I care about them. Uh, they, they obviously have an effect uh, later down the road when we're talking about guys basketball resumes. But it just feels like we the, the teams normally end up how they're supposed to be. And everybody who's supposed to be an all star kind of gets that nod. So when you, you get these vote returns, I'm like, they're more comedy for me than anything. Um, and these are comedy. These are absolute comedy. Uh, so they don't make me happy. They don't make me unhappy. Yeah, I'm just neutral on these. So this might be the first time we ever started with neutral. Yeah. The vote totals came in the first fan returns. And that right there should tell you a lot about what you're about to hear. Just picking off some of the things that I, I see and, and remembering and re trying to remember to talk about. Clay Thompson has more votes than Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, um, and Anthony Edwards. Those are the only players that I really care that he has more than hell, even Westbrook. The fact that he hadn't been on the court is kind of crazy. And but this is the type of thing that happens. It's also just not anything I wouldn't have expected. But you remember last week I was basically being Captain Savaho for Donovan Mitchell in, in my all-star ballot. And then there was a comment that came out this week about uh, him possibly caring about market size. And it just kind of feels like this is where it <laughs> matters. He's got 217K votes and he's having a, a, a really, he's having a good year. Donovan Mitchell is having a, a good year. We'll get to his cooking of Herb Jones in a little bit, <laughs> a little bit later in the happy section. Um, but yeah, for the year that he's having 217k votes and behind uh, Devin Booker, who hasn't played, sorry, Clay Thompson, who hasn't played, is just just massively disrespectful. Looking over in like the Eastern Conference guard, Derek, <laughs> Derek Rose, and y'all know how much I love Derek Rose. He said seventh with 232k votes in front of Darius Garland and Fred Van Vliet and Tyler Hero, but specifically Darius Garland and Fred Van Vliet. And Fred Van Vliet also sends 11,000 votes behind Darius Garland. And uh, that one is like, okay, well, Garland plays in Cleveland and then Fred plays in Toronto. 
Freddie is without a doubt having an all-star year. He just hit two, uh, the tying shot and the dagger against the Pelicans tonight before the main event happened. Uh, he had, was it against the Jazz where he just pretty, he, he just went off. It was pretty much the Jazz B team, but still, just really in line with what he's been doing this season. I talked about him on the pod uh, a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, he, he's 10th in guards. He's going to be an all-star. It's going to be a reserve. Um, but here he is behind D Rose, who's disappeared one day with ankle surgery, and we haven't seen his face since. He's also behind Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is in front of all these guys as well, who just played his very first game, which I do have Kyrie's return here. I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kyrie hadn't played. <laughs> he showed up against the Pacers, uh, sat out home games like we expected, and he is sixth in fan voting. Great stuff, great stuff, great stuff. Uh, that might is in terms of uh, not anomalies. It's not the word I'm looking for, but in terms of fuckery, basically, that's pretty much uh, what I would have there. Rudy Gobert is behind Carmelo Anthony in voting. Gobert is ninth. That's I'm not gonna sit here and act like that surprises me. I was also captain save being captain save a hole for him last week. It, it, even though I was very clear that I'd be more than happy to not see him starting, I just thought that he deserved the nod. But here he is with 218 K votes, which puts him in ninth, uh, barely in front of DeAndre Aiden, but behind Carmelo Anthony in the year 2022. That is just incredible stuff. You look up further throughout the list. Andrew Wiggins almost has a million votes. He sits only behind Paul George, Kola Jokic, and LeBron James. I don't know if I meant for my Wiggins propaganda to go that far. I've been spreading Wiggins propaganda since last year. Um, I don't. I don't think it was meant to have him in front of. Um, well, uh, yeah. No, I don't know if it was meant to have him up that high. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, but he has a serious chance to make it. He has a very, very serious chance to make it as a reserve and. Possibly rightfully so. So those are basically your um that, that's basically the all-star vote talk. There's nothing else really to, to talk about here. I just find most of this hilarious. Hell, Lamarcus Aldridge has also got 111,000 votes. I'm surprised just to see just to see his name here at all, but he's had a, a underrated comeback story. Um he, he's way better than I thought a guy who was never going to play basketball again earlier last year I, he came back way better than i thought he possibly could glad to see jared allen's name um getting love but yeah this is just what you get when you get the fan vote right this is what you get <laughs> you end up with guys who hadn't played in front of guys who've been playing their hearts out and if the guy said guy who's played their hearts out plays in a certain place he's probably not gonna get the clout no matter how many times you retweeted on twitter or see his face or hear his name on twitter um, and I, I think that specifically applies to Fred Van Vliet because boy, when I tell you that it has been strong, he they have a whole thing set up for the commentators to call him Freddie All Star damn near every time he scores. Uh, and Toronto Twitter is is very heavy on my timeline, and he is almost not in the picture on here in the fan in the fan uh, results. So as Dave Chappelle once said, Twitter is not a real place. Well, that's pretty much all I have to say about the reserves. It's comedy to me. And I'm neutral on it, which would just go ahead and let us go uh, right to Kyrie, which I'm neutral about. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bucks and Nets, uh, Kyrie's return. The Nets had a comeback against the Indiana Pacers. Kyrie did play in that game and he looked all right. Uh, I think he's going to look a little bit faster as time goes on, but you got some of the regular stuff that you, you normally get from him. Some nice paced finishes. 
uh, I don't know if I'd call it the dagger, but yeah, it did put the game out of reach where you just kind of stopped from the mid range, went off the backboard. You get regular Kyrie stuff, and then he has to miss the next couple of games. Very inspired comeback. Also, just uh, at least the way it was listed, and from what I saw, they had him playing shooting guard, which is interesting to me because if that's the way it's going to continue to be, it kind of indicates maybe, hey, since he's only going to be here for essentially half the games or whatever where you don't want to have Harden playing point guard one day and then slide him to shooting guard and say, go sit in the corner or go play off ball. So I, I saw in the in the pieces of the Pacers game, I did see it seemed that Kyrie was in the corner a lot. Uh, he was the one sitting uh, outside the play, basically waiting for the ball to come to him. I like that setup because especially when Harden is trying to continue the streak that he's had basically since he came back from from COVID. Um, you, you don't want to just break that rhythm up. If anything, you, you already have Patty Mills, who they asked about, which, by the way, is, is again, at the very beginning of the season, that's specifically who I was kind of asking about. That's a guy that's going to be in and out of the lineup, more or less, uh, with this whole Kyrie situation. So depending on how they play it anyways. And he just said, yeah, you just got to have the same mentality. Just uh, he, he said a lot of a lot of jargon that basically came out to say he can't change his game. He's just going to play how he plays, whether he's starting, or whether he's coming behind Kyrie. But that that's that falls under the category of fuckery, the kind of fuckery I think is going to not be great for them in the playoffs. But I do like how they're handling the, the point guard shooting guard part. Now, Bucks and Nets happens and the Bucks destroy them. Now, um, you can't look at it and just say oh well Kyrie would flip that result on its head because I think most of the reason the Bucks were beating them had a lot to just just to do with size nobody really has anybody for Giannis but the Nets especially don't there's a lot of rebounds that went the Bucks way uh very easy steps into the paint and, and kickouts just a lot of things that doesn't specifically pertain to Kyrie it's not like adding Kyrie is going to help that specific problem it will, however, help on the offensive end to have a third superstar to so say, hey, if we're not going to be able to do anything to stop this team, you know, you got 20 plus points per game coming on the other side and it's going to put stress on their defense, maybe tire uh, whoever's assignment that is out. That That's all cool and that'll give them a shot. But this is where I say and, and Kevin Durant was asked about it, about Kyrie being fully vaccinated because I would actually... I feel comfortable putting money on that series. If it was Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn uh, and Kyrie's going to not play those home games, I feel comfortable putting my money on the Bucks. I really do. And really with any contender, I, I feel comfortable that way. Not only do you have the lineup things that we've been talking about for a couple of months now, but they just flat out need him to have a, a chance in that series. This is not... This is still not really last year's Nets. This is not last year's Nets, and this is not last year's Bucks. So last year's Bucks, yeah, a full strength Harden was would have probably given them everything they could have handled. It would have put the Nets over the top. Feels like the Bucks are better to me now. They have way more lineups. Giannis has gotten a little bit better, if that's even possible. It just doesn't really and, and Harden has been good as of late, but it just doesn't really still feel like Harden Harden. Like the one that would that would push this Nets team over. This Bucks team that's already won a championship. So you need Kyrie for that. And if you're looking at something I had been saying for a while on this podcast now, some after the Bucks game, they updated it. They are 0-8 against these contending teams. They have not beaten a single one versus the top eight teams. Uh, lost to Milwaukee at the beginning of the season. Lost to Miami. Uh, Chicago, Golden State, Phoenix, Chicago again. Lost to Memphis. 
0-5 at home, um, 0-7, and then they lost. And they so they lost to the to the Bucks that night. So it's actually 0-8. It's something that doesn't take that much effort or analysis to point out. But when you're watching them, it's not even that they just get beat by these teams. It feels like the games sometimes just aren't that close. Or if they are close, they get out of hand like the Milwaukee one did, even though they were trying to come back. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. The, the Nets are the Nets are a team that to, to have their record where it is and to be floating around the top of the conference. I have as many questions about them as I've had for any contending team that I in the past that I didn't believe in. Um, and this this half measure thing, I honestly think by the time the playoffs come around, just because I, I in Kevin Durant's answer, I'm not psychoanalyzing nobody, but it did kind of seem like he <laughs> he agreed with the line of questioning. He, he said, yeah, look, I'm not about to force somebody to get no vaccine over basketball. But we, we he kind of hinted that they talked about it and he's probably given Kyrie his his perspective on it. I'm not saying Kyrie is going to abandon everything he's said and get the vaccine for the name of basketball, but I don't know. I it, when this very first happened, I didn't think he was going to sit out the entire season. Now we're at this point. I just don't feel like by the time we get to the playoffs, he's really going to do his team like that. He's really going to do his team like that and just say, y'all are on your own. Um, and I'll be here when I can for the series. I just can't imagine that he thinks that's going to work. I can't imagine that working. Um, I would not be surprised if we had a, Wow, fully vaccinated Kyrie sounds just impossible, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had that. And preferably that would happen before the playoffs uh, to, to give the Nets the best chance to gel because they have some nice lineups. If you have a, a Harden or, or if you're playing Patty Mills, you got Kyrie, uh, Mills, Harden, KD, and then LaMarcus Aldridge or Claxton or something like that. You, you got some lineups that'll become incredibly difficult for the opposition to guard. So even if they can't play the greatest defense, you're back to the way you were last year, where it's, hey, we don't necessarily need to <laughs> if we can we could score this way. So, yeah, that's basically all I had to say about Kyrie, about the Nets, about the Bucks and Nets. Uh, it was just a, a very nice game for Milwaukee. Giannis was doing whatever he wants. It's one of those games where you can see that he's gotten better. So you can look at his stats or you can look at his three-point percentage and say, oh, it's not as high. You do all these things, but if you actually watch him, so watch the pace he's playing at. Watch the passes he's making. He made one beautiful cross-court uh, skip to the corner. I think it was to Bobby Portis. And there was uh, there was situations of him coming downhill and instead of just running into two or three people like you would have had in the last couple of years, you know, he kind of Euro steps into a pass that and sends it to the corner. Giannis is is much improved in 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 many ways, like you saw in the Hornets game, because in the Hornets game that they lost and he scored 43, he wasn't just dunking. He was he had a three pointer going that game and he did a quite a bit from the mid range, too. I like the Bucks. I told y'all right now, they're my very early Eastern Conference Finals pick. And I like Giannis. I like his chance for a third MVP. And I'd like him to stop this fake humble shit. <laughs> I'd like Giannis to stop this fake humble shit. Because he knows that he is going to finish his career top 10. He knows that very well. He knows very well he's on that trajectory. Possibly easier than anybody we've, we've really seen. Of course, you got LeBron. Um, but... At, at this age that he's at and everything he already has and he's getting better and everything that he can have that man is on a path that he doesn't need to be saying things like oh i'm not even close to being one of the best ever Giannis, respectfully respectfully 
we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to some other things that I am neutral about the updated MVP ladder. That would be the very natural next evolution, because MVP ladder is looking interesting. Steph went through a slump. Tonight, he um, didn't seem, at least he didn't seem like he started as bad. We were paying so much attention to Clay. I, I, I wanted to say for Steph Curry, <coughs> we first of all, we've seen Steph slumps before. And we've seen terrible games from him and terrible shooting nights. I'm not worried about them. I, they don't bother. They don't bother me much. He is, I, I look specifically at the Heat game. I think that's where most people started to say, okay, what's going on here? They won that game, but he only had nine points and he was just shooting like piss. But I was watching that game. Then I went back and I rewatched his possessions and it was just like, okay, these are a lot of looks that Steph is probably going to hit in the season. He's probably gonna hit him next game. Um, running around screens, got plenty of open looks. I will agree he's being defended very aggressively. Obviously that's about to get much harder now as we've been saying with Klay Thompson back. But my point is just a lot of the looks that he's missing don't really seem like they're either ones that are going to be harder for defenses to pull off in the very near future, or they're shots that he just either makes or misses. And a lot of times he makes them. So it's it's a slump, but pr probably come out of it. Uh, clay space is going to help and the Warriors are going to keep winning and we'll see him rise back up the ladder. That's what I think. But for right now, he he's fell off. <laughs> he fell to uh, fifth here. He fell to fifth. Uh, the guy here is saying it doesn't really knock him out of the running. He's in the mix. Uh, but over his last two outings, he had only averaged 11.5 points on 19.5% shooting, including just 11% from three. So, yeah, that slump is going to put you down in this race that is, is, is as competitive as it is. Giannis is leading it right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo is leading that race right now. Uh, then you have Kevin Durant. I did. That's another thing we say it every week. Kyrie's return makes that interesting. He is having uh, one of his best seasons, but Giannis is doing the same thing. And I, I see them probably finishing first. And they're also uh, probably doing better against contending teams as well, which is something that's got to weigh into this. Surprise, surprise, though. Jokic third. Jokic third as the Nuggets are sixth or seventh. They're in the play in right now, actually. They are in the play-in of the Western Conference. He moved up from four. I still don't believe in this field. It, it just becomes a point. I, I, I just feel like that top two gets pretty in, impenetrable at a certain seating unless the other guys completely fall off, which hopefully doesn't happen. But I am glad to see Jokic at least getting his respect. Uh, and Embiid has moved way up. Embiid has moved way up. And rightfully so. He's had such a load to carry for Philly this year. And he's dominating the games uh, that you know are challenges. And he's also dominating the games he's supposed to dominate. They had one against the Spurs. They had fucking Devin Eubanks guarding him. <laughs> and it just looked like target practice. Um, they had Eubanks and... Uh, yeah, uh, was it Pirtle was on him? Was Pirtle on him some possessions? Either way, it was what you would expect. You can look at it one way and say, oh, Embiid, he's going against guys that and teams that have these players that are replacing guys and shouldn't be defending him. Kind of like when he was playing the Celtics and fucking Ennis Cantor was guarding him, but he's doing everything he's supposed to. Philly has uh, been better off for it. They haven't fallen 
completely off. As a matter of fact, I think they're probably up to six now in the standings. Philadelphia 76ers have moved up to the fifth, actually. Yep, they traded with Cleveland, as we saw happening last week. So um, they're not even far behind Milwaukee. They're not even far behind the Bucks. So there's a lot of things that could happen still in that like top five seeds in the East. It's relatively close that there could be a lot of switching. So Embiid has gotten his clout. And look who has entered his name seriously. We talked about Damar last week. LeBron James was not ranked in last week's MVP ladder. He has moved up to the seventh spot. Mui Interazante. He right now, I did want to keep an eye on that Grizzlies game. Oh, they down 20. All right, so ain't going to be no MVP propaganda tonight. <laughs> John Morant is not playing with y'all, bro. If you haven't seen the block yet, and Braun's having a good game, by the way, but it'll be overshadowed by the loss. That jaw block might have been one of the greatest regular season blocks of all time. The one on Avery Bradley where he jumped and literally blocked, damn near blocked the ball with his body. Oh my God, bro. Anyways, yeah, so LeBron has entered his name. Um, I feel like it's the same thing as Jokic. Going to play on the ladder a little bit, but not going to be able to fully climb it. However, that does move me into my Lakers thought that I had. Just because there are times throughout the season where I see flashes. Specifically, not just the Hawks game, but as of late, I'd like I'd liked some of the defensive activity I'd seen. Uh, LeCenter has obviously unlocked a, a whole world of possibilities for them. And it was just a thought that I tend to not take too seriously because the Atlanta Hawks are in, are in the mud this year. Their defense is is piss. So there, there's a lot of guys that can look like contenders against them at the moment. But I just like some of the activity that I see from the Lakers. And so it's just the thought that if they were to get all their pieces, which is not ever a given with this team and what they've gone through, but if they were able to get all their pieces and really just click for a month or two, and, the, and they were able to enter this playoffs as fifth seed, fourth seed, and just go from there. That thought scares me just a little bit. There's just times where I see the defensive activity looking a little bit better. Stanley Johnson looks like he's here to like he's here to stick around. LeBron looks like the, those center minutes are going to continue. And there's some contention about it. So we've talked all about listener on this podcast. I'm not going to rehash you everything that happens. But now there's the train of thought out there where people say, hey, I'd love to see them try that against the Nuggets. I'd love to see them try that against the Sixers. Teams with actual centers. Actual centers that are focal points of the offense. To which I say, obviously, LeBron James is not going to be guarding Jokic. He can't. LeBron James is not going to be guarding Joel Embiid. He cannot for a full game. That, that's not the utility of him being center. First of all, they go against teams like that. If you had LeBron at the five and it was a situation where you, you couldn't put AD on one of those guys, you're probably going to be zoning up quite a bit. Um, that's one thing. But it, it's mostly, aside from him not having to go one-on-one with somebody and being able to roam, it just unlocks so much for them on offense. Monk has been a, a great pairing with him. Malik Monk has been a, a great pairing with him throughout the week. They're just figuring little things out, just little things on the board that just make me think. They can just get everybody there and go for a while. Just maybe there's a thought. Just Just maybe. But not really, though. I told you I'm not really taking it seriously. There's not a version of me that's seriously considering this Lakers team putting it together in February and being good enough by uh, April or Mar or May to to be Golden State. That's that's very hard to it's very hard to get there when Golden State is getting better. However, that thought 
it, it culminated in thinking about LeBron James. And y'all know I really don't do GOAT talk anymore. Uh, the last time I did a GOAT video, I believe, comparison anyways, was four years ago. I was still in college when I made that. Um, it's going to turn four in two months, actually. It was the MJ and LeBron video. I retired from arguing GOAT, GOAT status and all that because it just doesn't feel worth it. I mean, it's a it, it's a never ending argument. You know, you remember you remember Pokemon, remember Groudon and and Kyogre. Now Rayquaza had to come break that up, but apparently they, there was some like primal instinct for them to just always be at war or something like that. I probably fucked that all up, but that's how I remember it. That's how I'm gonna remember Pokemon Emerald from when I was younger. And uh, that was that just really seems like the MJ and LeBron thing. I still scroll through threads and see the same exact fights happening every single day. I just refuse to I, ref, I refuse to participate anymore. I did my time. I retired. But as a guy who retired um, arguing points for MJ, it is kind of insane to start to look at the, the scale of things. And and I get to a point where I look at the calendar, it says 2022. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Game six in Boston was 10 years ago. I was in the 12th grade. I was in the 11th grade. Sorry. I was in the 11th grade. I am now a 26 year old man. And LeBron, that was probably at the that's that's still one of his best games ever, if not his best game ever. That was 10 years ago. And now we're at a point where he's still breaking all type of records. He's in year 19. Uh, his averages are what they are. Don't need to rehash you all the numbers he's doing that nobody at this age could do. But he's also not playing center, which I have seen a counterpoint when people say, oh, he's just playing center on paper. To which I respond, watch the games. Braun is just because he's not straight posting up and drop stepping people and giving them hook shots. does not mean he's not playing center. Watch the games. The man is playing center. We've gone through it for two or three podcasts now. And it got to a point where I'm like, man, if he were to win a championship, don't I don't take it seriously this year. If he were to win it this year, and a big part of it was him playing center, it would get extremely difficult to argue against LeBron James. It would be, it would get very, very hard. I would not, and I told you I don't do it anymore. So you ain't gonna get none of them videos from me anyways. But it would get very hard to be making a video like I made four years ago. I'm trying to argue that there's somebody better. And you wonder how long it'll go on. Are we going to get three more years now? Like three three more years of his career and uh, he slowly transitions into whatever. I kind of talked about this last week. It's just a thought. They're just thoughts about the Lakers. Just thought about, thoughts about LeBron. Just some things that I found interesting. That's all. But don't fret. Your narrative should still be intact four or five months from now. The Lakers should be sitting calmly on the couch. And um, the teams that have been contending all year should be going at it so it should be happening but i'm here for the fuckery i don't care celtics ain't winning nothing this year anyway so i'm here for the chaos if if they do figure it out right now they're getting smacked by a grizzlies team that is legitimate dylan brooks is out with an ankle injury for they said three to five weeks that hurts but then again they've had guys in and out just like everyone else this entire season it seems like and they're Doing so good. I would where I talk about the Grizzlies, I would really put them in and not in play style. So do not 
do not tweet me talking about I compared them to the the early Warriors. That's not what I'm saying. They don't play anything like the early Warriors. When I say like they remind me of a 2013 or 2014 Warriors, I'm just talking about in that a young team with a ton of talented pieces that are still getting better that you could see contending in in the next few years. That's what I see. I look at Desmond Bain, his improvement from last year. Um, you look at Dylan Brooks. You look at John Moran, still getting better. I don't quite believe in them going far enough this year, but I believe they could scare somebody this year, which is what the um, 13 Warriors did. They did it more than the 14 Warriors because 14, they just got unlucky and had to face the Clippers while they were hurt in round one. So they didn't get to quite uh, strike fear in that year's playoffs. But I can see Memphis right now scaring someone and then coming back for the next two years and, and really being them. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's my grizzly thoughts. I, I've given them quite a bit of love throughout the week. We talked a little bit about... <laughs> the 76ers and Joel Embiid another thing that happened <laughs> I can't remember exactly who it was against but it was Tobias Harris who's been having a interesting season and by interesting I mean for the amount of money he's being paid disappointing um he's being paid like a star and he, his shooting has regret, regressed quite a bit it regressed to the point where Philly fans were booing him in this particular game and at the, it felt like it was near the end and they were already winning by a lot. And he hit a turnaround fadeaway and he, he didn't turn to the crowd. He just started backpedaling. He said, nah, don't clap. <laughs> this man, the salt, told his home crowd, do not clap. If you were not here during my toughest days, you ain't going to be here for the comeback. Oh, Oh, uh, I, that's in my neutral section just because I don't feel any way about it. I just feel like it's funny. Uh, the, on the topic of fans booing their home team, it just kind of feels like that's happened before. I've seen it happen. Happened to James Harden earlier this year uh, as a resident Celtics fan. Obviously, they've been booed a couple of times. That just that just happens when your team goes on a bad run or but I, I guess it feels more personal for Harris since he's it's starting to become somewhat of a spotlight where it's like, damn, bro, you're part of the reason this team's finances are the way it are. We, there's, there's money tied up in you. And what's good, man? It's been months now. <laughs> January. When are you when are you when are you going back to uh to your 2019 version? So I guess I guess it feels a little bit more personal than just a shooting slump. But yeah that's that that was a funny moment i think kendrick perkins got involved but i'm not in a place in my mind where i really want to do kendrick perkins talk on um the podcast so shout out perk and shout out tobias harris because that, that's just hilarious the uh, yeah it's just branching off of teams that we talked about with mvps how about demarcus cousins getting cut from the bucks not when I saw it coming, bro. Not when I saw it coming, especially on the night that he had a double double. He got cut the night he had a double double. I kind of gotten, I kind of gotten comfortable with him being there, and I forgot his deal was not guaranteed. And I believe tomorrow, actually the tenth, I'm, I think a lot of those deals will become guaranteed. So Milwaukee said, appreciate your contributions, but we are going to be saving that for something else. As a matter of fact, I think they picked up Luke, Luke Cornett. If you don't remember him, uh, I've seen him in the G League a little bit this season. I even think he had a very tiny stint in Boston. And uh, as a big, he's in theory supposed to be able to shoot the ball. If I can, in my mind, come up with the reason why they did it, I'm pretty sure that's why. Because they're probably looking at the long-term utility of 
DeMarcus Cousins and if they really are going to be playing without a Brook Lopez, which I've theorized that they might be. Cousins was not shooting the three ball well. The last time I looked, it was at 28%. He would have times where you still or have a night where he could hit a decent amount of them. But overall, it, it wasn't enough to give you belief that uh, throughout the playoffs, he's going to be able to provide spacing and teams will start to key in on that. Because other than that, I thought he was solid as with the double double that he was, was cleaning up nice uh, as just kind of like a general workhorse player, I guess um yeah cleaning up rebounds he's not really giving you a whole lot defensively at all i don't think that's what they expected when they signed him um but yeah i just thought he just needed to kind of hold the fort i thought he'd done that but yeah bobby portis the whole big deal about him uh ever since the playoffs last year is you, you give Giannis so much space being able to play the five while still being able to rebound um and i i guess it's just they want to have multiple lineups where they can do that with so you get to a playoff series and all of a sudden Cousins is standing on the wing or the corner or wherever and guys are making life tougher for Giannis because of it. And now you have to play Bobby Porter's a crazy amount of minutes. I guess that's I guess that's a train of thought. So they're going to go with Cornet, And uh, yeah, in theory, he should be able to space the floor. Cousins is now going to be signed with the Nuggets. He's going to be playing behind Nikola Jokic, to which I just say, yeah, man, I, somebody came in the switch chat the other day and asked me what team I could see him on. I really didn't have, I don't feel like Cousins is a needle mover for anybody. I feel like he's exactly what he was in, in Milwaukee. Just hold the fort for some minutes until your other guy gets back. Uh, the Nuggets are obviously in a deeper bind than a uh, 2022 DeMarcus Cousins will get them out of, but he'll provide some nice minutes while Jokic is off the floor. I guess that's probably the, uh, the best Thing there because if I were to be completely honest with you I watched so much so many Jokic minutes I low-key don't pay attention when he's not on the floor I kind of don't know what's going on when he's not on the floor and who's backing him up uh, I want to say Jermichael Green but there's nobody of it's nothing of consequence like I said their problems run deeper than a backup center it's hey Jamal Murray we need you say hey, Michael Porter Jr we need you to come develop and, and play up to this contract it's, hey, we just need a healthy team around Jokic. Just need, in general, healthy players around Jokic. So, I'm glad Cousins still has a job. Knew he still would. He played enough basketball in Milwaukee to still have a job. And he will be doing so in Denver. We will see if he moves on. That would take me straight into Lance Stevenson talk, but that's in the happy section. We can keep talking about big men. Because the Suns went ahead and signed Bismack Biombo, who came in and uh, played very well. Did a lot of good things for them. I am pausing right now because I've been watching their guy who they call Sticks, Jalen Smith. And I really liked what he was bringing as essentially a third stringer, right? He's behind McGee's behind DeAndre Aiden. It's like, okay, I'd seen him handle the ball a little bit. He's not shooting the three particularly well, but he still has a willingness to shoot it. Um, I seen him uh, with some nice rim protecting reps. Miles Bridges tried to end his young career. It did not work. I, I really liked, and especially just as a, as a partner in the pick and roll with Chris Paul, it seems like Chris Paul can have anybody as a pick and roll partner, but it was working out with Jalen Smith with this young guy. Um, and so I guess I was just kind of a little bit confused by this. Cause now you have four bigs when you're fully healthy, you got Aiden, um, you got McGee, you got sticks. Yep. Biombo. I guess, uh, cause you're not, uh, Smith is showing enough to continue to play. 
I guess there'll be times where they put him at four um, and continue to get him minutes. But again, I don't know how deep the rotation is going to, how deep they're going to be digging into the rotation throughout the year. But yeah, that one just kind of caught my eye because I was like, huh, they've been, they've been doing fine. And of course, you're going to get everybody back. McGee was having probably his best season. I don't know if it's his best. When the Nuggets paid him all that money, he was he was pretty good. But McGee has been having his best season as of late and as behind Aiden already. So it's probably not that many spaces left. I'm not sure how much Biombo is actually going to play down the road. Um, but also that, that kind of makes me wonder about Smith's contract. And uh, I don't know. I like Jalen Smith. I am like I, I'm president of a couple of fan clubs these days. So Omir Yurtsevin uh stan club than jalen smith um so I'm, I'm just curious keep an eye on it is is pretty much what i would say the oh yeah i want to save that one for last the atlanta hawks report came out that they are more likely to trade cam reddish and to extend him surprised me as i obviously the hawks just in general are having a tough time um this this season and being able to gain any footing so it's kind of hard to evaluate what they have going on but i felt like there are points in the season where i like cam reddish's potential however i guess this kind of makes sense i think reddish if even if it's not in atlanta he has a bright future if he can sit somewhere where he can really bud as uh as a high option in the offense i i can see that i've seen flashes this year that make me think that that's a possible thing but also for an Atlanta team that was in the conference finals last year and very possibly could have been in the finals, you start to look and the league gets better, obviously, and they figure you out and they they plan for you a little bit more. I'm not saying that's exactly what's led to what's happened this year, because obviously it's 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 a lot more about just availability for them and being able to <laughs> build certain concepts, having the guys there to build certain concepts. However, it would have been hard to imagine, and it's still hard to imagine, even if they get everyone back, uh, that say, this same roster going that far in the Eastern Conference. Now there's four or five teams here that are that are this legit. You, you kind of look and say, you're going to need probably roster upgrades around Trey Young in the very near, fu near future to have that type of success again. Like a legitimate number two, as in star or superstar type player. And so in that way, I can see saying, okay, like maybe you develop Cam Reddish and he possibly becomes someone like that guy. Or he's packaged in a deal for that guy. And one of the names we've heard with Atlanta that makes sense, we've heard Ben Simmons. We have heard that name as we've heard with a lot of young teams. So we'll see what happens there. Did want to put that in your ear, though, that uh, Cam Reddish, the future may not be in red for him. The Hawks jerseys are red. They have red in them. Got mostly black and it got white, but there's some red in them. Anyways, that is what's happening with ATL. Trey Young. Um... Having a great season, but getting hoed. Uh, not necessarily in the fan vote. I, I didn't really mention y'all in his, his fan vote. Seems like he was... Yeah, he's third. He, he was third. He's behind James Harden. I actually meant to discuss that. Because Harden, this recent, his recent play has obviously probably catapulted him. Because it's erased all the bad that's happened before. <laughs> and all the mid that's happened before it. Yeah, I would definitely have Trey Young starting before James Harden. But um, again, you know, what have you done for me lately, basically? And Atlanta uh, hasn't done anything for anyone lately. So you have a guy that would be in the MVP race otherwise who might not start an all-star game. And team success, it counts. 
before I get to this last neutral subject, I did want to just mention that Pedro Stoyakovich's kid is now a prospect for like colleges and stuff. I just had to mention that in case you didn't think you were getting old. You are getting old. Or maybe you're not. Maybe Pedro Stoyakovich, that name means absolutely nothing to you. But as a kid who grew up playing with him in the three-point contest on NBA Live 05 and watching him win a ring with Dirk, when it came across my feed that his his child is now being looked at and maybe in the next five years we see him pop up somewhere yep currently checking for the gray hairs just had to mention it probably should have mentioned it at the end of the podcast the end of the neutral section the wizards reporter incident if you weren't aware kevin porter jr had a game winner uh kevin porter jr's dad also uh did uh, I, you know what i really don't want to misrepresent this story i thought i had it all in my head um he had a, a crime involving pulling the trigger i'm just gonna be as general as i can he had a crime involving pulling the trigger all right don't even need to go into detail some real bad shit and when kevin porter hit the game winner the wizards reporter very nonchalantly and didn't really seem like he meant any harm he goes like oh yeah he yeah he pulled the trigger right on time just like his dad and then LeBron retweeted it and basically uh, tried to fire him. <laughs> and then uh, the you go to the guy's page and he says, this was an honest mistake. I thought Kevin Porter Jr. was the son of another player, uh, another Kevin Porter that played in the NBA or another Porter or whatever. He thought he, he, he did not think it was the dad that that allegedly shot somebody. He thought it was the dad that shot basketballs and so when he said that now you see the misinterpretation i have it in my neutral section because to be honest i really don't think anybody who would want to keep their job would actually say something like that and expect it to go over well i mean of course you do have the stupid ass warriors commentators who um last week basically made fun of faku Campazo being a foreigner so that happened but they're also the Warriors commentators and they're not going anywhere. As you see, that just got swept under the rug and nobody ever talked about it again. But this one, I, it's just like, this is pretty egregious. If you would have been talking about his father's uh, crime, like that's a pretty egregious thing to say on air. And so I would have to say there's no way in the hell that that's what he was aiming for. Sometimes I just like, just like you just got to use a little bit of reasoning. I, I, there's no way, fam. There's there's no way it's a horrible mistake i don't think he got clapped i don't even know if he was actually and i said wizards reporter i really meant commentator i had i don't know why i had it written down as reporter my bad if i've been saying reporter this whole time i don't even know if it was like their actual regular commentator i heard he was replacement but i don't know that for sure uh as far as i know nothing happened i didn't hear anything about suspension um or being fired yeah it was just an unfortunate situation because when I first heard it and uh, I read, then I read what it was about. I was like, no way, bro. This no way, no way. And then I saw the apology. I was like, okay, yeah, I was right. No way. Um, so that's happened. Nobody should talk about it anymore. I just wanted y'all to know. I definitely, I definitely don't think he, he was going for the, I don't think he was, he was really trying to drop the bomb that he had allegedly dropped. Let's move on to the things that make us happy. So kind of started it with the Clay Thompson return. How about the Lance Stevenson return? Make them dance, Lance. This one is close to home. We got to interview Lance probably about a month ago. He is the only 
uh, player that I've interviewed so far where I actually got nervous. I believe I talked about that on the pod. Yeah, it's the only one I've ever gotten nervous for. And he was it was also my favorite one, though, because he he showed a lot of grace uh, when I when I fucked up the intro like three times. He was like, oh, man, look, man, we all we all get nervous in time. Bro, you good? Take your time. Like he, he was just great there. He was great a great interview in general and answered all the questions like he wanted to be there and one of the things he said or pretty much the theme of that was him saying look man i will play basketball anywhere i will do anything a coach wants i will play any role i just want to play basketball let me play basketball he had a 10 day with the atlanta hawks then he moved back to indy and got some superpowers it was it was like Thanos with the infinity stone he is <laughs> it's crazy after these couple of games it feels like he's one of their best players uh he had a 14 assist game last night he had a 30 point game before that and the assists are were particularly pretty he had one that was of the lance stevenson variety where he like flicks it and looks away and does all the extra hops and stuff the same lance that we we came to know and love and the pacers are going to keep him that's cool. I'm glad I got to that information before I got to the podcast because I was going to say and what I said on the, the G League show when we were recapping it last week, I was saying uh, I, I kind of felt like he might end up going to some other teams because Indiana is obviously about to blow it up. And Lance seems he some of the games he had just feels like he could legitimately contribute to a, um, a, a hell a contender or a team that's making a playoff push. So I didn't know if the Pacers would find it. I don't know how necessary they would find it to keep him around. But yeah, after the energy he injected, the crowd loves him. Um, And what otherwise has just been a very probably boring and bad season for Indiana. uh, He he was he's been a light. So they could not get away without signing him. And so they have. And that's great. I'm glad I'm glad to see Lance Stevenson back. If anything is good about this season and everyone going out and being health and safety it's that guys are making comebacks mario chalmers is sitting on the heat bench i haven't seen him check into a game yet but uh mario chalmers is back it's like it's like the old event i don't i don't know avengers is a strong term for these guys but you get it right it'd be like if the old avengers came back one day they started popping back up uh it's kind of how it feels so but yeah lance is showing out though lance is showing out doing it with uh all the love that he said he had for the game this is a guy that was playing in china before and then came back to the g league earlier this season humbled himself well i, I won't even say humble himself because i don't know how he felt about the g before before but hey, he just came and played and showed that he could still play basketball that's all these guys have to do that's why i, I i'm not going to go in depth on isaiah thomas again but all the time he spent on twitter over these years trying to get recruited um all you had to do was just go show you could you could play uh in the in the nba's where they farm players and you already have a name and you have buzz and you have clout so if you just show you could play you'll probably get a chance and it's got a chance it's unfortunate that with dallas he got health and safety so we don't know what's going to happen with him next because he hadn't even gotten hadn't really gotten much shine outside of those first two laker games where he showed he could still score after that it got bad but i didn't think the lakers were a good spot for him anyways because what the lakers need to push their season forward was not more points from a guy that is not going to give you defense. That's just not what they needed. Uh, there might be a team out there that could use that and just use that, but the Lakers needed Stanley Johnson. So we'll see if IT gets more chances. But yeah, it's it's great, man. Lance Slant Stevenson thing is is awesome, and it's nostalgic because that's another thing where I look back and say, damn, ten years ago, look, Lance Stevenson. You go back, find him in an Indiana jersey. 
doing all the antics and stuff and being fun and here we are so that's a pretty good cool feel-good thing and we are very happy for lance we are very happy that Kawhi leonard is ahead of schedule <laughs> incredible i didn't think there was any chance Kawhi leonard was going to play basketball this year for the clippers he tore his acl partially tore it that had to have been june right so even at 10 months we were saying, okay, that would be right as the playoffs start. And what superstar has come back right as the playoffs are going to start? But if he's ahead of schedule, now we start looking and say, okay, well, uh, mid-March, end of March, uh, sometime that's not literally game one of the playoffs. All right, look what this does. The Clippers are obviously falling off because Marcus Moore's senior is uh, their, <laughs> probably their top player right now. Don't fact me. Don't fact check me on that. I'm just I need the narrative at the moment. And with that, they fall into a seed. All right. Well, we had this conversation last week, right, about how in the Western Conference, it's really kind of impossible to actually fall. Uh, it, it, looking at the, the Clippers, their ninth seed right now, they're still four games above the San Antonio Spurs who are in the play who are in 10th. So they would have to that the Spurs would have to win and the Clippers would have to lose a lot of games in both directions. There would have to be a lot of activity for them to even fall to 10th. And if you fall to 10th, you can still fall down to 14th and have a chance. And once you get Paul George back, uh, you will probably win enough games to beat out Portland, Sacramento or New Orleans. So long story short, unless unless uh, the Clippers just get hit with a nuke or something, they're probably a playoff. They're at least a play in team. Okay, staying in playing range and getting Paul George back and then getting Kawhi Leonard back sets you up for a situation where you probably end up the A seed, the Clippers at the A seed uh, with Kawhi. And we know these days how guys come back from ACL and Achilles injuries. So he's coming back from ACL. I can kind of start to assume that a superstar going to be a superstar. That would be unfortunate for a team like Phoenix to have to play them in the first round, not because they're 100% guaranteed to lose or anything. That's because you worked hard for that seed. And even not even just that, right? At this point, one and two, it, there's a there's a world out there where you might end up with the Clippers eighth and the Lakers seventh. So one and two, whoever you are, which at this point actually still could be Utah. Utah could still slip into that. Oh, that would be, oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh, that would be unfortunate. That would be very unfortunate. That would be extremely unfortunate for Utah to grab second or first and then, and then deal with one of these teams in the first round that, and like, if I play the Lakers, they maybe should be able to beat them still, but also you're playing LeBron and AD and if you're not a team that's been to the finals before, maybe that's not a great thing. Either way, yeah, one and two, you might not get a, a nice first round matchup. And uh, just based off what the Clippers did last year when they were healthy in the playoffs, um, man, that would be some fuckery. It, man, I'm here for the chaos, bro. I am here for the chaos. Shout out to Kawhi for getting healthy. Uh, he's just, we, we don't see no interviews. We don't see nothing, bro. We just... I, I did see him do one of those little Christmas skits, actually. One of those little Christmas commercials for the Clippers. I don't know what you call those. Those little shorts that they have all the players do. I saw him there. But, um, yeah, you just don't hear much ahead of schedule man why back playback Kyrie back we are we're so we've been suffering through this season a bit but the playoffs have potential a lot of potential 
Well, speaking of the Utah Jazz, who may or may not uh, end up getting cooked in a scenario like that, boy, Donovan Mitchell cooked Herb Jones. If you uh, don't care about the Jazz and don't care about the Pelicans, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm two for two right there, and you didn't see any film from that game, just watch Donovan Mitchell's highlights. That's all you got to do. Because Herb Jones is, by the way, a top rookie defender. And I don't know if Herb Jones owed Donovan money or if he said something about him, if there's like an old tweet or if they were in an AAU game and Herb did something to him years ago. I don't know. But Mitchell cooked him. Off the top of my head, he had to have in like the 36 point range um, of points. He had three straight plays where Herb, and I mean three straight plays, like consecutive plays of Herb slipping and sliding around the floor. Donovan was uh, tight with the handles that game, getting into the lane, step back threes, the type of performance that we've actually seen from him this season before. Type of performance that often go get, get slept on and you never really hear much about it. Type of performance that I believe um, should have him more popular as an all-star game starter. He'll be an all-star game. He can be an all-star game either way. So I, again, I don't really care, but type of game that just should have gotten him a little bit more clout than he has so i I suggest going into that one i even believe in that game he had one of the passes i was talking about where i said he'll just go up into help and throw the pass behind the center i could just be completely making up scenarios in my head but i'm sure i cut a a pass out of there where he went he, he got past herb or whoever his defender was josh hart whoever it was at that time gets uh in jv to commit and jumps Throws it behind JV's back. You got somebody sitting in the corner, wide open three. Donovan Mitchell, the passer, ladies and gentlemen. I still like Herb Jones, by the way. Definitely like Herb Jones. It's not, I don't believe he even had a terrible game, but Mitchell was hunting him. So I'd like to, if I ever get to interview Donovan Mitchell, I'd like to ask him what Herb Jones did to him that made him go. It's, it's like maybe there was an article written before that game about the possibility of Herb Jones taking on that defensive matchup and Mitchell just said, "Uh uh-uh, there's levels. There's levels, sons. If we're talking about dismantling, John Morant's dismantling of the Nets. So that was yet another game that the Nets failed to really be generally competitive in where uh, you had a, a top team, which Memphis does qualify as a top team right now. This Lakers and Memphis game is pretty much over. Memphis has blown them out. Did y'all do anything crazy? Uh, not really. Uh, 15 and 7 had an insane block. Was that his only block of the game? Yeah, it was. It was insane. Either way, Jaw took the Nets apart. Um, and it was it was everything that you get from a classic Jaw. Uh, what do you call these type of? games just jaw nuclear explosions that that seems like i don't know that that seems like it's doing too much uh but yeah carving his way into the paint uh finishing in between two people dunking on the fast break not caring who's gonna jump with him so he basically just dares you to jump sometimes people do jump with him and he ends up missing the dunk but that one in particular he was on a fast break there were some business decisions that were made and it's that's one of those things again where you say you know Kyrie how hard of a time that they had defending jaw that game that's one of those things where you go hey Kyrie doesn't fix that particular problem he gives you offense on the other end that maybe helps balance it out but it's not like adding Kyrie fixes that particular issue and especially not halftime Kyrie so that is just interesting for any other teams that they might end up playing that have guards that can make your defense collapse like jaw did 
that was an incredible showing and it has him moving up uh the all-star ranks he as a matter of fact even though he missed that month if i were to look at the voting i would bet you and the western conference guards yep he is third and it's because since he came back even though he missed pretty much a month he came back and he's been uh terrorizing squads ever since because after he did that to the nets he went to cleveland the next night and did damn near the same thing and uh and finished that game with uh, uh what i thought was an offensive foul on darius garland um, but they didn't it, when i saw it from the other angle it wasn't he just big bodied them and finished yeah morant for 48 hours straight was just on extra black air force energy because he's always got black air force energy but it was extra it was like it was like black air force with the scrunch socks it was wild morant is behind luca by the way in this all-star voting and luca's not been having his best season at all but still has 780k votes there's that but so yeah he he still might end up starting just because it's pretty much what i said last week when i did the ballot it's like there's still there's still a decent amount of time and there's still time to vote so you're getting these returns and you can put up together more performances and all that could change and i'm not going to complain i am not going to be bitching on the timeline if y'all put john morant there over donovan mitchell i like john morant i love john morant i also love josh giddy and if you uh love is a strong word that's a strong word he, he's got a lot of his game to work on i like i as a rookie, as a young guy, I love his passing game. Put it that way. And he dissected the Mavs with that in a game that they did end up winning. I can't exactly remember. But uh, yeah, the, the, the passes, some of those were just magic. One that was out of bounds. And the camera angle was just perfect on, on the pass that he, that he inbounded with. He just kind of flipped the ball to uh, whoever was cutting it might have been roby i can't exactly remember but somebody was cutting and it, it just looked like some misdirection shit he just kind of lazily threw it but it was such a beautiful pass and you're just like how did that get through and why did that look so easy he had one like that had a left-handed cross-court skip pass off the dribble to the corner and it was a dot um i think he had a, in the neighborhood of 14 or 15 assists so giddy's not sh he's not shooting well um from from the three-point line He's got a lot of offensive games to work on, obviously. Hopefully, he gets better at defense. It kind of rem reminds me of the assessment of his game that became a meme. Because when he was first getting, uh, when he was getting scouted, I remember there was a picture that said weaknesses. And it's everything was a weakness. It's like long-range shooting, shot creation, driving. They were like, this man's weakness is basketball. <laughs> but uh, passing is not a weakness at all. Um, so... I, I recommend that to you if you hadn't seen Gators performance against the Mavs, whether they won or lost. Just go look at his passing. Because the Thunder, they they're gonna have, they're gonna be special once they put all this together and they get guys solidly solidly in their roles and having figured out who they are. Um, I, I am excited for the future in OKC. The last thing that I am happy about would be uh, yeah I, we mentioned KPJ's game winner. It was just uh, he didn't have a great shooting night, but it was nice to see him um get a get that game winner after his suspension because I, I don't want anything but i want anything but good for a lot of these guys man for a lot of them and um i i it wasn't anything special to say that they were going to get suspended we knew wood and uh and kpj were definitely getting suspended after what happened they did they came back they won a game kpj had the game winner and uh, yeah, it's just good stuff. Hopefully they can put all, they can just put that behind him because I'm not sure how many of those locker room incidents 
you, you have left. Yeah, two strikes now. A third one might get you permanently put away and then having to make a comeback in two or three years through the G League. So um, no reason to waste time with that if you don't have to. Yeah, that's all. I, that's literally all I have to say about that. It's not like Houston's bringing John Wall back to become a dynamic duo with Christian Wood that leads him to the playoffs or anything. So we can move into what made me unhappy. Wow, believe it or not, I actually had the all-star votes originally in unhappy. I think I just mellowed up throughout the week. I'm like, this shit doesn't matter that much. As long as you, in the end, get the right guys. I'm not going to yell at this guy about players in Utah. It's <laughs> getting severely lower amount of votes than they should. And I actually also talked about the Steph slump, too. I don't know why I had that on unhappy either. I think the word slump just had a negative connotation. Um, but I, the stuff slump was really a neutral because I was like, that's not going to matter that much. So don't need that. That leaves Jimmy Butler's health. Butler got hurt again in that Warriors game in which Steph made everybody question if he's actually good at basketball. Jimmy Butler got hurt after he just came back. He could not have been back more than five games. Uh, there, there was a Heat fan at the checkout. I was at I was at Publix the other day and he saw me wearing the Bulls beanie. He was like, oh, like, yeah, man, the Bulls are good. And struck up a little conversation. He said he was a Heat guy. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, man. He was like, yeah, we could we, we could be so good. I'm like, yeah, if you guys can stay healthy for more than a week, you could really do something this year. So they're good either way because they just keep finding guys. Uh, Struess, we went we went through this. Heroes been having a good season. Um, they, they just absolutely dog walked Phoenix last night without Bam, without Jimmy. Hell, I don't even think Gabe Vincent was there. <laughs> they dog walked a, a more or less full Suns roster, which is crazy. Not the fact that they won, just the fact that they 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 stomped them. So it's been fun, but you just gotta wonder when, because Butler's health is becoming an actual. It feels like that's becoming a trend. I don't know the actual numbers off the top of my head but it just feels like jimmy butler's health or lack thereof is becoming a thing he had 52 games last year out of the what did we play 72 at 58 games in 2020 but of course 2020 got cut short uh in 2019 he had 65 games 2018 59 games it, yes it just feels like there's always something and so in this particular one it looked much worse than it was apparently it was just a right ankle sprain uh, his foot got jammed in a very awkward way, so it had me scared about other things. Uh, but yeah, he's out again. He's out again, and at this point, you start to wonder. You just start to worry about rhythm. Like you're gonna get Gam you're gonna get Bam back sooner or later. It seems like he's been out for a while now. You're gonna get Bam back, um, and eventually you get Jimmy back. But you just kind of wonder when is the next when's the next injury coming for the squad? Because it's nice to be able to have an Omir Yurtsevin come in and grab every rebound that's available. In the game of basketball and shoot some but at a certain point it's like okay yeah we need we need bams uh we need bams attributes as a as a pick and roll defender uh we need him and his chemistry to get right with with kyle lowry on the pick and roll as a, as a lob threat you just kind of got to figure those things out as well as you can given what the eastern conference is again just talk about the positives of guys always being out miami's found out they can play anybody damn near and and still uh and still compete and still contend so that's nice just at a certain point you got to put it all together and i just kind of wonder when that's going to happen same thing for the lakers 
that's that's really what i'll talk about with the lakers earlier that's what i'm saying here for the heat just just win win god um this will be in february before you know it it's like that's the two month mark from the playoffs they got plenty of time but uh yeah jimmy butler is officially like entering my concerned list <sighs> concern i'm not concerned about the celtics i i've given up hope on this specific season really i didn't really have hope that much hope to begin with but um they blew another lead surprise christmas day and there's this one they are two and ten in games decided by five points or less as of the first knicks game that they played so yeah still two and ten because they've only played the knicks since then and that game was a blowout uh they were probably up by like 20 then things things happened and by things i mean evan fournier Oh, what was the Evan Fournier stat that I had? Did I bookmark it or did I screenshot it? Something like 20% of Evan Fournier's points on this season have come against the Celtics. Because he has like, I don't know, 500 points or something. So whatever 20% of 500 is. Don't don't don't, don't check the math. It probably won't make sense when you hear it. But just know a lot of his, the points that he scored at all this season came against Boston. In a 40-point game, he hit every three he looked at. It was particularly interesting because we always get these email Yudoka comments. And a lot of it has to do with basically just saying our team ain't shit. We ain't got no leadership. We don't have no direction. Uh, we don't have effort. Like It's those type of things. But this one was particularly fascinating because he said we didn't follow the game. I know we, I'm not a, I don't play for the team, especially not this team. He, he said something like, yeah, they didn't follow the game plan. They kept going under when defending Evan Fournier and all right how does that happen you got before the game you got days before the game you know who you're playing uh you scout you you've got guys who scouted that out you talk about it before the game you probably talk about it during the game right how did it happen that you didn't that nobody followed the game plan for the whole time he was going off I just don't understand I feel like there's talking amongst players I feel like there's talking from the coach to the players that at least gets you to follow that plan and then you go from there but to after the game come out with the assessment that it just wasn't followed leads me to wonder how it wasn't followed just because there's communication that happens that keeps something like that from happening so if that communication is not happening you wonder why and that leads to a whole nother can of worms um but <laughs> it wasn't even evan fournier they lost to that's just the catalyst after a very tough sidestep from Jason Tatum to tie the game, which I didn't like the look, but whatever. That's just what we do. RJ Barrett hit like a fadeaway contested three-pointer with the outstretched hand of Jason Tatum. Banked it in. And I watched it go the whole way. And when he shot it, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now nah, there's no way. And then, of course, there was a way. So that's how they lost that game. Another hood classic against the Knicks. Um, Celtics are 10th in the Eastern Conference. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have apparently had a conversation about how this could work long term. And they've came out with the conclusion that, yay, it can. Except for the fact that I remember when Kyrie Irving said, hey, I talked to Kobe about how uh, I, I can avoid a, a breakup with LeBron. And you know what? I think I can make this work. I've, I've heard this shit before, fam. I, I've heard the, the everything's good and rosy conversations before and i i just it doesn't move me i'm not saying that there's beef between Jalen and 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 uh jason at all I'm not saying that there's beef not even saying that they're lying i'm just saying they don't move me because i've i've heard these things before it's kind of like whenever a guy a team has a team meeting and they come out all inspired and then it lasts for like a half 
and then it's back to back to regular bullshit. I don't know if there's a team meeting that's actually ever turned around a season. Um, basically saying all this to say I'm, I'm not moved yet. I'm not moved. I still feel like um, it's going to take some magic from Brad Stevens to actually put the roster around these guys that they would need to to win. And if they do do that, I'm all for it. Just so y'all know where I stand. I don't want one of them to have to get traded one day at all. I just I, show me the magic, basically on how to get this roster from where it is to where it it could be in that situation because when i watch them i only ever see these flashes of how good they could be with this roster that they have right now you see these flashes defensively and then where things are clicking offensively and you're like oh wait this is that fourth or third seeded celtics team and the one that could easily be in the conference finals and it never lasts for a full game it feels like <laughs> and against contending teams or whoever it just doesn't feel like it ever lasts so I, I that also doesn't move me when I just see the potential happen for three and a half quarters and then they lose or they blow a lead. That shit don't move me, fam. But you ain't got forever to 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 play around with that. Um, yeah, yeah, that that's what happened. That's what happened. Diary of a of a fringe Celtics fan in 2022. Starting to wrap things up here. This in the G League once again. My monthly mention of Scoot Henderson. Just wanted to put him on your radar. I'm just going to casually scoot the name. I swear I didn't do that on purpose. I'm going to casually scoot the name Scoot Henderson across your desk every now and then. Because I feel like you should know that there's a 17-year-old in the G League that at times plays like a grown man. And one of your teams is going to draft him and you're going to have a good time. Um, unless I'm just completely wrong. He plays for the Ignite team. That's what it's built for. The regular season has started. And I like what I see from him. Um, and you still have like a year off, so he's going to develop even more. Somebody's going to get one in Scoot. So just just sliding that in there. Haven't paused. Hadn't talked about him since probably the first podcast of the year. And how about Gerald Green? Gerald Green is going to the G, bro. Kenneth Reed is there right now. If you were wondering where Kenneth Reed is or what happened to him, he's in the G League. So is Gerald Green. Gerald Green was on the Rockets coaching staff and said, you know what? I'm looking at these guys, Isaiah Thomas done came back, Lance Stevenson done got a job, fucking Greg Monroe <laughs> came in and, and had played like a well-rounded big man um, and not one that got put out by the evolution of the game. It's like, bro, let me let me put my super suit back on. So he's, I believe, I'm pretty sure he's going to play for Rio Grande, uh, which is the Rockets affiliate. And you might see Gerald Green playing for one of these teams. Because again, when you've played in the NBA and you already have a certain skill set, all you got to do is show that the skill set still exists. And once five players get protocoled, you get a call up. It's kind of how it works. So Gerald Green will be there. That will be fun to I'm gonna uh, fun to watch. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's gonna be fun to watch. It's always fun to watch former NBA players play down there because they can they end up with like twenty something points, um, seven assists. They do that consistently and then end up on a team. Sitting next to Adonis Haslam. Never getting in the game. Unless you're Lance Stevenson. That's pretty much it. That is pretty much it for this week's podcast. I don't even know why I gave the G League its own section. Um, it's kind of difficult right now. I'm not going to lie. Just because everyone that you would know basically is in the NBA now. Or they're spending time in the NBA. So uh, you follow the G League for the first half of the season. And you, you start getting acclimated with, this na- with these names. And it feels like so many of them are gone now. <laughs> And even the NBA players, the NBA needs everyone. So um, it's like I'm having to relearn the league all over again. Uh, but it's fun nonetheless. If you think this podcast was fun, you can rate it. You can hit the like button. 
you can subscribe and hit the bell next to my name for notifications every time that one drops apple Podcasts, all that good stuff welcome back clay welcome back kyrie irving we will be tracking them throughout the week the way it goes kyrie might only play like one game or he might not play at all i haven't looked at the net schedule um just uh before i fully wrap it up quick shout outs to you know some of you guys as teams that are killing it the bulls and just now actually today lost so they were would have had a 10 game win streak they were on a nine game win streak to sit them at the top of the eastern conference again not much separation only a game and a half above the nets and then the the heats b b team has kept them kept them afloat so everything's still real fluid there uh cleveland is just trying to avoid the play-in at this point with all the injuries that they've had i sense that that might be a little bit hard because now the raptors have come knocking they spent a lot of the season around the 10th seed here they are now at the seventh fred van vliet all-star um siakam not doing half bad uh, and they're not they don't have a crowd either they're not they, they've won six straight and they play in crowdless basketball so back to bubble stats right now not quite nothing like the bubble but yeah, it might be hard for Cleveland to hold that, though. Shout out to Rondo, new Cavalier. I didn't necessarily like what I saw today. <laughs> um, The Western Conference, Golden State, Phoenix tied. Like we said, Jazz covered that they had a chance. Uh, Denver and LA fighting for who's going to be in that play-in spot or not be in that play-in spot. Memphis and Dallas, John Moran versus Luka would be the first round right now. But it's way too early to start doing that. Minnesota just existing in that play-in range. Talk about the Clippers. Those are the standings right now. Those are the standings. That's all I've wanted to discuss. I appreciate y'all. I will see y'all next week.